How do you follow that? Except to say, for those of you who are a little older, those of you who know, Australia is entirely populated by criminals. But where was I? Never mind. That's a Princess Bride quote, for those of you who don't know. The classic Christian movie. If you haven't seen it, you're not even saved, I don't think so. That was a joke. Mike, I made one mistake this morning. I forgot to ask you, was I right that the service ends at 1.30? I have to 1.30 to preach? No, that's not right. What time? Oh, my, 12.15, ow. Good morning, everybody. I, uh, I want to thank the worship team, wherever you all went. Hi. Thanks so much. Wonderful, wonderful worship this morning. Anybody amen that? Anybody? All three? Yeah. And that last song, I wanted to thank Leslie for setting that up. I, it's one of my favorite, the new tune to There is a Fountain. Um, I had something funny happen. I, I brought my preaching glasses in. And I, you get older, you start having problems. Even as a Baptist, you find out you end up with press biopia which means you can't read. And so I had a pair of glasses that I always used to preach, and I had it on, and when I brought it inside and looked at my notes, I couldn't read them. So I ran out to my car, and I got my work glasses. That's these. But it didn't matter. By the time we were done singing that song, they were foggy anyway. So God bless you. That was uh, just a wonderful time of worship. And I wanted to uh, hide some of my sermon title from you. So... I know Mike is preaching through the Gospel of John. He's doing expository preaching, which I am a believer in. And uh, as you know, when it's done well, a congregation can get a full understanding of Scripture and biblical principles and be edified and grow strong. But I've only got one Sunday. It's really hard to exposit an entire book in one Sunday. So I'm not going to try. Instead, I'm going to do what is, of course, called a a uh, topical sermon. And uh, I've thought about this as I was uh, thinking uh, about the future when Mike had first asked me about coming over. I thought, you know, when you retire, you start to reflect. In fact, a lot of things happen when you retire. Those of you who retired are still probably trying to figure out what retirement's like, right? And uh, I'm still not sure. But when I was pondering it, I thought there were a few principles that I've learned in 45 years of public ministry and 50 years of following Jesus that I, I did a little series on them over at Harmony called uh, Spiritual Hacks. You know, you have hacks for fixing your leaky faucet, and you have hacks for fixing an electrical socket. You find them on YouTube, for those of you who don't you know. YouTube can solve every problem in the world on YouTube just about. And uh, I call them hacks. And so there's some hacks that are worth knowing, some spiritual life skills. And um, I could probably preach for three days on different ones that work and have helped me to do better in my life and in my spiritual walk with the Lord. One of them, for example, would be, and, and I, I just wanted to mention a couple just by way of introduction, hoping that you might get excited and want to hear what I have to say today. Or not. One is that God is sovereign and he's good. 
You know, the world is a mess. You may have noticed things aren't really very good today. Things happening in other places in the world. Ukraine is probably foremost on our mind, but Myanmar is another place where the gospel is being crimped because of oppression by government. But getting into my DNA that God is actually sovereign and he's good helps me to offload worry. Anybody struggle with worry? One person admitted it. Okay, five people are admitting it. It's easy to do, right? If you, anybody read uh, the devotional, My Utmost for His Highest? Uh, Oswald Chambers, my wife's waving at me, she does. Uh, worth reading through, I hate that guy. Every time he talks about worries, telling you that you're insulting Jesus. Oh, please, I shut the book, you know, I don't want to hear it. But if I can trust that God is sovereign and he's good, then he has some purpose he's going to work out, even through evil, he'll make the wrath of man praise him one day. So it's a chance to offload worry. It helps a lot. Another one, this one I really like, because people struggle with I'm trying to discern the will of God, and I want to know that I'm doing the right thing and what have you. And this little principle is so helpful. Obey the next thing. That's all. If I hear the Spirit prompt me, if on a Sunday morning or when I'm reading my devotions or I'm driving along and I see something that triggers a thought and you know when the Holy Spirit is pestering you and he says something to you, obey that, the next thing. I don't have to worry about what he wants me to do a year from now or even six months from now. All I need to do is obey the next thing and I can have a clear conscience. I can enjoy my relationship with the Lord. You know, we have lots of failures and lots of warts. If we really think about ourselves, we know we're messed up, right? Anybody want to admit that? I'm going to, all right, we got two people in the front here. We're going to have church right over here. I'm going to ignore it, but talk to these. We have issues in our lives. Here's the good news. He already knows that. You haven't shocked him. Things that we're afraid to put on the table, he's not taken by surprise for that. He's already way out in front of you. And so all he's asking me to do is obey the next thing he speaks to me about. Those are a couple of hacks that have helped me quite a bit. So today's is one more hack, and it's a really large one, and it affects all of us because none of us can escape at some point in our experiencing being affected by hurt and anger and bitterness, and being wounded by circumstances. So to introduce, before I give you my title, which is stolen, by the way, I often steal my titles from somebody, but I admit that I stole them, so I'm innocent. I'm going to just recap a little bit of history. Really, in my mind, it's a very recent history, but in our modern generation, not so much. But back in 2006, in October, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, at the West Nickel Mine School, which was an Amish one-room schoolhouse, a man named Charles Carl Roberts broke in, walked into the school, took people hostage as children. Several children, actually, five of them lost their lives that day. The Amish community's response blew up national 
media coverage. Blew it up because they unconditionally forgave this perpetrator and his family who were left behind because he took his own life. And they were devastated as well. And so the Amish community manifested a principle that Jesus taught us clearly. Forgiveness. Neighbor went to the, uh, an Amish neighbor went to the family, comforted them. An Amish brother went and put his arms around the father who was sobbing over what his son had done and held him for up to an hour to comfort him, manifesting clearly the gift of forgiveness. Again, the same thing. In uh, June 17, 2015, Charleston, South Carolina, you know the story. Nine African Americans were put to death by Dylan Roof, a 21-year-old white supremacist at Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, one of the oldest black churches in the United States. Again, the church unequivocally offered forgiveness to this man. And again, social media blew up. The media, the classic media, blew up, talked about it. But in both cases, there was also an undercurrent saying that what happened was wrong. Giving forgiveness like that, in the shock of the moment, some people pushed back and said, this is inappropriate when, I'm going to quote it, forgiveness is inappropriate when no remorse has been expressed and that such an attitude runs the risk of denying the existence of evil. Really? Is that what it means? Pardon me, I'm still weeping from there is a fountain filled with blood. This shocking impact gets this reaction. How, for example, can I offer forgiveness to a person who has just taken his life? I'm trapped. I can never do it if that's the rule for forgiveness. And by the way, I'll give you a little hint. Apparently, in their mind, Jesus got it wrong. And we want to look at the verses that speak to that very thing. So, my message this morning is called The Freedom of Forgiveness. And where I stole that from was a book back in the 70s, very popular by a brother named Augsburger, who wrote a book, The Freedom of Forgiveness, which was very liberating. Since those days, it's been edited a bit, not all positive, I think, but mostly that was a very useful text for people. So that's where I stole my title. And our text goes back to Holy Week, if I might. So if you'd look at the screen, we're going to look at our passage out of Luke chapter 23, the week that Jesus was put to death, and we just celebrated that. And there we read this. Excuse me. It's not going to stop unless I do that. And when they had come to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine. And I think there might be just a little bit more, yeah, saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
Literally, they don't know what they're doing. The soldiers know what they're doing. They're carrying out an assignment to put to death by execution a person who their bosses told them to put to death. The leaders of the Jews, they knew what they were doing. They were getting this politically problematic individual out of the way. They knew what they were doing. Why does Jesus make a statement like that? Because they did not grasp the cosmic impact of this particular illegal murder. They didn't get that there was going to be an amazing battle in the heavenlies won by this, but also that they were putting to death the very God who came to rescue them. They didn't understand that. They didn't get it. But whatever was going on in their minds, Jesus makes this unmistakable statement. Father, forgive them. He takes the initiative. We can learn some lessons about this whole idea that Jesus teaches in several other texts. Let me give them to you very quickly, just kind of glossing over so that I can get to my primary point today. We know we want forgiveness for ourselves. A lot of the music this morning, our celebration around the Lord's table, refers to the fact that we recognize we personally need forgiveness. At least if we're in touch with ourselves, we know that we need forgiveness. By the way, there is such a thing as biblical sin. Today, a lot of things have been so redefined that it's hard to know what's in people. Well, what did I do wrong? I, well, I'm not doing anything wrong per se. There are biblical sins that are more damaging and more vile, let's say, than increasing your carbon footprint. Okay, that's kind of the big sin in our culture. Well, one of them. But there are things that God has a perspective on. And I was just recently talking with my daughter who's been raising two, two grandchildren and uh, we're talking about uh, their spiritual life and, and my, my grandson is his wheels are going around and she's like how do I start coaching from here and I said well you know you could just take the Ten Commandments and start there right at the top and work your way down and you'll have a very clear perspective of what God thinks about stuff you know God has an opinion about things anybody with me did you guys get enough coffee today just checking all right so Thank you. <laughs> there is sin, and we start to get in touch with what it is, and it's a process that we grow in. And so first, let me start with what I have called over 45 years, especially in the last, I don't know, 15 to 20, the greatest mental health verse in the Bible. Anybody want to guess what it is? 1 John 1, 9. Anybody know it by heart? Yes, I like it when you talk to me. You can even yell at me. You can even say, be quiet, we've heard enough. Let's put it up. If we confess our sins, he, what is confessing? It's not just admitting, it's saying, I'm in agreement with you, God. You're right and I'm wrong. You're right, I'm wrong. You say that this is not a good thing. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He cannot go back on his word to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that the greatest mental health verse in the Bible? Because, here's the question, do you believe it? You see, if I believe it, 
then when I go to God and I, I'm struggling, I'm, I'm feeling way down. I, you know, I got, I know some of you think I'm a nice person. That's because you don't know me very well. You know, I'm driving. I get cut off. I have very uncharitable thoughts to that person. I really do. So later I'm feeling, you know what, you are, my wife's been working on me for a long time about a few, you know, few things, a uh, little bit of sarcasm. Sometimes sarcasm can be nasty. And uh, so God is still rooting that out. So I go through a time, I said something, so just this morning I told my wife, I said, that was sarcastic, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought that was funny, you didn't, but I, I thought it was hysterical. And I think God thought it was kind of funny too, you know, like, wow, you're just figuring this out dumb dumb and so I go to the Lord and I go that was wrong how hard is that and I offload that and I don't have to walk around all day whipping myself what a rotten stinking person I am remember God already knows that anyway <laughs> I'm having a good time sorry about the rest of you okay if we confess he's faithful what does this word forgiveness mean to send away. It's the same word used when Jesus sent away the crowds. Send it away. Take your dirt, and I'm sending it away. I'm getting rid of it. I'm pardoning you. I'm canceling. Here's another way to look at it, and this is a good one. Canceling your debt. You're in the red. You owe me. I'm canceling that. Isn't that great? I remember when I became a Christian, I was a little bit rough around the edges before that, the days of drugs and hippies and all that stuff. That, I know, I'm old. And um, I actually uh, learned a bad habit from one of my relatives, and that was how to sneak stuff out of a store without paying for it. That's called stealing. God has an opinion about that. I got saved, and I re realized as I was being edified in a local church where they were teaching the gospel, and I went, I need to make restitution. I'll never forget. I was scared to death. I was certain I was going to go to the manager of the store and come clean, and I was going to get arrested and go to jail and go to the canyons in New York City. I was doomed. And when I went to the counter and I mumbled and mamby-pambied around and said, I kind of took stuff from your store and blah, 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 And he just looked at me and he went, oh, you want to make restitution? Yeah. How much was it worth? Ah, give me the money. Goodbye. Ah! I was free. I wasn't going to jail. I was going to die. You get it? I owed them. I was released. God releases us, and we don't have to pay. Ponder the amount of wounding that we have at times. Here's another word. That one is vertical. We all want forgiveness for us, right? We all want forgiveness for us. Not necessarily for that guy. So, God doesn't leave us alone, does he? The next verse I want to show you is Luke chapter 11. It's when Jesus was instructing his disciples. Here's a basic kindergarten ABC how to talk to God. Our Father who art in heaven. Anybody remember that? 
Anybody? Okay, you are here. All right. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive. Look at the change of language. Everyone who is what? Indebted to us. I added this next one because it came this way in your version, the ESV, in Luke. It's a little different. And lead us not into temptation. They go together. We'll come back to that in just a second. But look at what it says. Forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Who's indebted to you? When I talk about Jesus' language, like, forgive your enemies, love your enemies, he says. Pray for those who persecute. Who is the person that when I mention that, your stomach goes, you know, maybe yours doesn't go, maybe it goes, I don't know what it does. But it triggers, he owes me, she owes me, they owe me. Indebted, you owe me. That's exactly the language of the scripture, is that there's a debt. And I have the opportunity, rather than hold on and become resentful, like uh, Henry Nouwen talks about, there's so much frozen anger, sometimes in the body of Christ. I have the opportunity to cancel that debt. You want to make restitution? Okay, you're free. Done. I can cancel that debt for another person. I'll eat it. I lost this much money, or I was wounded, or this impacted my family, and I think I've had quite a bit of those things happen, and I'm choosing, if as the victim, if you will, to eat the cost and release you from the debt. There's a hint of the dynamic in this verse where it says, and lead us not to temptation. Let me tie it together for you using Ephesians chapter 4. Here it is, a little bit of insight. Be angry, it says, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, and do not sin. Be angry, you can be angry and not sin, right? We all know that. Jesus got angry, turned over the tables. Some of us are itching, they're like, let's try that, right? He was angry, but angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to who? No, there's no such thing, is there? Boy, if you can't see the work of the enemy in the world today, and I think about all the people who are taking their own lives, he is a murderer from the beginning. He's real. And Paul is teaching us here, don't let the sun go down on your anger because that anger will then become bitterness. Use the word you want, hate, right? That's what it is, bitterness, resentment. I, I don't hate them. I'm just a little resentful. It's the same thing. <laughs> They're connected. Just one feels bigger than the other, you know? I'm not angry. I'm just torqued. It's awful quiet in here. You, you won't have me back, will you? I already know that. <laughs> Be angry and do not sin. Don't give the devil an opportunity. And the word there is don't give him a room to live in. Don't give him territory. Don't give him space, a foothold. 
some of your versions put. A foothold. I love to illustrate this when I'm in the counseling office many times. A person opens the door, you know, you get a, a knock at the door. Remember salesmen when they used to come to your door? Now they're on the phone driving you crazy. But they used to come to your door. You would open the door to see who was there. And the language, this is the old style, they get their foot in the door. Then you can't shut it. So the only way you're going to shut that door is go poof, bang, push him out. And when you're dealing with the enemy, that's exactly what you have to do. You have to push out that foothold he's trying to get because that's exactly what he wants to do is get a good meat hook into you so that you are crippled spiritually by the bitterness that you hold. Don't give him an opportunity. Well, so far I haven't told you anything really new probably, right? So what I want to do is I'm going to shift gears. And if I don't get done, you'll, you'll have to have me come back because I'm not going to get to the freedom of forgiveness really. I want to tell a little bit of my own story. So, and all of us have stories of some sort. But um, I'm thinking of two things in particular from my own history. And one was, um, I went off to Denver Seminary when I got, got born again. I knew I was called to ministry. And, and I was walking across campus one day, and one of the, one of the um, professors who mentored me a bit, loved this guy, saw me, hey, Hawko, how's Mr. Sandpaper today? Wow. Uh, I have a feeling he's telling me something. Sandpaper. Well, that was the first inkling that there was some stuff in my personality that probably God would like to change a little. You know, anybody? We're on a journey, right? And um, had no idea. And as time went on, I started to realize, you know what? You do. You come across, there's anger, there's... So I was in my first church, and um, I was praying with some saints. And by the way, I'm a big believer in genuine koinonia fellowship and praying with each other for real. You know, not now I lay me down to sleep praying, really praying. And as we were praying, one of the sisters that I was praying with said, you have a problem, John. You hate your father. There's a story there. My father was a very bad scoundrel. Caused a lot of damage when I was a kid. And I was so not in touch with myself that I went, no, here's, here's the classic answer. I'm a Christian. Of course I don't hate my father. Never dawned on me that I could never even call him my dad because I hated him so much. He was my father. We went back to prayer. They're praying. Okay, Pastor. You know, nice parishioners, right? Nice parishioners. Okay, Pastor John, you must be right. You're the pastor. Go back to prayer. And then they all of a sudden, another sister. No, it's your father. And I started to defend myself. And before I could get the words out, all of a sudden, I exploded. And I broke down and sobbed, and decades of wounding and hatred came pouring out. And it purged me and cleansed me and brought healing to my soul. 
You see, you're giving the enemy an opportunity. You're the one suffering. Now, I want to be really clear. When it comes to the issue of forgiveness, I give it because God commands it. End of discussion. Doesn't matter what other side benefits come out of it. But one of the benefits is my own well-being. <laughs> we forgive others as, please forgive us the way we forgive others. Second story that goes with that was I was pastoring in, in my first church out in Arizona, and uh, we went through some very hard times. I know as an assembly, nobody here would relate to that, right? Very hard times. And a whole cluster of people who had been part of the gossip chain, and there's always one. I don't know why some people think they always have to broadcast every little dirty thing, but anyway, it went on and on, and these people, they became their own cluster, and what was left of the church, we were our cluster, and anybody relate? And um, <laughs> I'm the pastor, I'm walking and working for God, you know? So I found out that they were meeting like every week for lunch at, uh, I can't remember the name of the restaurant now, but it was up the street, southern, southern Tucson. And we're going there today. We have to go there. We're meeting somebody. And I, my mind went like this. You know, if I see those people, I'm going to be nice because I'm a good Christian. I'm going to be nice. You know, very proper or whatever. But if they ask me how the church is going, I'm going to blast them out of their socks. Oops. Sometimes you have to talk it out loud, you know. All of a sudden it hit me. You're in a bad place, Hawko. <laughs> so I had to forgive. I had to get down dirty and forgive. And you know what came out of that? When the first one, there was resolution with my dad. I got to meet with him. I don't know whether he meant it. I prayed with him before he passed and everything else. There was restoration as, mess, as good as it could happen. And then... With this other crowd of people, I actually ended up with restoration relationships down the road. Didn't mean they were going to come back or any of that kind of stuff, but we were at peace with each other. And I didn't have to have an ulcer. You know, you do get ulcers from it, right? Arthritis, there's all kinds of chemical reaction in your body with frozen anger and hatred. So I share those stories so that we understand that it is for our benefit to glorify God by being free in this regard. Do you remember the story? And here's, here's I, I actually wanted to bring it full circle, but I'm going to end with this, okay? Let me, let me leave this as the final note before I'm final. Is that okay? In other words, my last point was to go back to the opening text, Father, forgive them, and they kept doing what they were doing. This is a freebie. This is a counseling freebie. There is power in forgiving in advance. Jesus knew they were going to finish the job and make sure he was dead, and he forgave them in advance. Think about the people that you really get irritated by and just forgive. They're going to, you know, it's like, here we are, we're going to meet them. Wait for it. Here it comes. If you forgive them in advance, you don't go, eh, you go, there it is. I'm cool. I got a great story about that. It had to do with my father's funeral, but we'll come to that 
Maybe next time, who knows. Here's my point. Jesus was confronted by his disciples, and you remember Peter, he always had great questions and made trouble, right? And he goes, okay, okay, what is this forgiveness stuff? How many times do I have to do this? Now, of course, we know, I hope you know, he's asking the wrong question, right? But how many times do I have to forgive? Is there one of those rabbinic rules that says you put up with it 400 and, and then you whack him. Then you finally let him. Jesus said, you got this all wrong. So he tells this story, he tells this story about slavery, about slaves, servants, who owe their master tons of money. One of them owes millions, right? I'm, I'm very much paraphrasing. He owes millions. And he comes to the master and he cries his eye out and he's, I'll do whatever you say. And the master is moved with compassion and he lets him off, right? The debt, you owe me, but I'm letting you off. Oh, thank you, master. Goes outside, a guy owes him $27 and he's pounding him. I want the money. Everybody remember that? Matthew 18, here's how it ends. Then his master summoned him because he got ratted on by other servants. You wicked servant, you forgave all that. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? There's more to that. Next verse. There you go. And, and, and in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, oh, I, this is a troublesome verse, is it not? So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. What? What? Boy, is God mean. Yes, young people, you heard it from me this morning. A preacher in the pulpit at Fishkill Baptist. God is a meanie. He is not. Who's bringing it on us? We've given room for the enemy to torment us. In fact, that's the language. He's turned them over to the jailers. That's not the best word. The word jailer is an inquisitioner. And they torment people. That's the old days. Thank God we have Miranda, right? But that's what happened. And he's saying, you're putting yourself under the enemy, the, the liar and the murderer and the one who loves to, re, to, to dish out destruction. You're allowing that to happen to yourself. God just lets the enemy do his thing when you bring yourself out from under his protection, if you will. Merciless. No, pain is actually a gift. The Spirit tells us something is wrong. We know something is wrong. We're bitter, we're angry, we're intense about it, and there's something God wants to do. And so it's a favor for me to know that I'm in trouble because then I can get clean and I can get healed. Well, I had several things I wanted to read. I'm going to just say, I'm going to recommend, if you've never read The Prodigal God by Tim Keller, I highly recommend reading that because it talks about the very problem. Why are we so unwilling to do something about it? I shared a couple of things about myself, and I'm going to cheat. I'm going to go three extra minutes, okay? All right, otherwise, you know, just don't have me back. It's okay. Anyway, 
When I was uh, pastoring in Tucson one time, I remember a sister came to me, and this, here's an illustration of not only getting free, but actually being healed. Healed, physically. A sister came to me filled with anger, rage, and resentment toward everyone else, including especially her immediate family because, and that's, it's sad, it's struggle, I get it, she couldn't get pregnant. Everyone else is having kids. She is so angry. And I had to take her gently and walk her to the point of saying, do you understand that what you're putting on everybody, this feeling is sin, it's wrong. And she knew it. God broke through, freed her up. She forgave, she had to forgive herself mostly. And God, she thought, you know, you denied me and these people have been blessed and I can't rejoice with them. And she had to put all that under the blood. And when we were done praying about that and she walked out there happy, the Spirit prompted to pray for her, lay hands on her and pray for her, Nine months later, she had a child. My brothers and sisters, it's not an accident. The God we serve is the living God. You know? And maybe today, there's something holding you back. Why is it that we think we're better? That's his whole point. I don't need to forget. That person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. Well, why do you deserve to be forgiven? And that's why... The song I asked for, and we're going to sing it as we close later, is there's a fountain filled with blood. And why? Because of that verse that says, the thief in his day rejoiced to see the thief. And there, though I as vile as he, do you believe that I am as vile? I know you believe I'm as vile as he. The question is, do you believe that you are? Because if you don't, you don't really know yourself yet, and you don't really know the Lord who loves you. Let me encourage you to search that out. I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing in the end. I know the team's going to come up as I'm praying. And I'm just going to say this. Maybe the Holy Spirit, in fact, I don't, I'm going to tell you right now, I know there are people here today that need to put a stake in the ground and release the ones who owe you. They owe you, and you're right, they do owe you. They did hurt you, whatever it might be, but let them go. Take time to pray. I'll be up here. Pastor Mike will be up here. Take time to pray. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you that there at the cross, even the vilest, including myself, can know complete forgiveness and wash our sins away. We bless you. We worship you today for that wonderful mental health liberation that you give to every believer who trusts you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said, amen.